good evening, everybody. I hope you've got your coffee and cake at the ready. Norwich City head coach Daniel Parker has signed a four-year contract extension at Norwich City until 2025. If he sees out that contract, he will become Norwich City's longest-serving manager uh, ever, both in terms of games and in terms of years spent at the club, which would be fairly remarkable, really. Connor Southall, joined by Paddy Davitt, of course. Um, want to get your reaction as well. So tell us your delight about this news that has broke about 10 minutes ago. Um, post it in the comments wherever you're watching this and uh, we'll flash some up on, on screen. And of course, answer any of your questions and comments that you may have around this one. Pad, first and foremost, confirmed. There's the picture. Uh, he's even put on a tie for the occasion. Uh, no City head coach, Daniel Farker. Pictured with Stuart Webber, new contract, 2025. That's um, that's very good news for, for Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, he's looking sharp there, isn't he, old DF? Um, yeah, no, no, no on El Hernandez with a bucket of cold water around the corner either, I don't think, I would assume anyway. But uh, that's great news. Yeah, my tw- Twitter's gone a meltdown in the last 12 minutes or so since they eventually pressed the button. I think it had been trailed. Obviously, Stuart Webber set the, set, the, set the gun running, if that's not even a phrase. But uh, when we spoke... Full rolling, you mean, don't you? been a long day and I've been out in the heat, so we'll blame it on that. But uh, but when we went and had a chat with him at the end of the last season, um, he just threw in, you know, off his own bat, really, that, you know, Daniel was receptive to the idea of uh, extending his contract. We all know the situation here, man, Stuart, 2022 was where they stood contractually. So he, he was on the cusp of going into his final 12 months. Um, but Stuart basically said at the start of the summer, they'd had conversations... He was open to the idea um, and it was just a case of let him go away, have some time with his family, go back to Germany. And when he came back for pre-season, they would, um, they would, they would dot the I's and cross the T's and it would be out of the way before the start of the Premier League season. And they've been as good as their world word, haven't they? You know, here we are sort of three weeks or so, four weeks or so away from the, the kickoff. And uh, one major block of uncertainty has been removed and, and not just Daniel, but Chris Domagola, Eddie Reamer as assistant and Christopher John as well. They've all signed up again for, for 2025. And if you look at the initial quotes that have come out from the club, you know, Daniel is talking about his aim now is to try and establish Norwich as a Premier League entity. And Stuart is talking about that now gives them a level of certainty that they can plan mid to longer term. And they know Farkas at the helm and his key lieutenants are around him. So, you know, the only, as you said rightly in your intro, Connor, potentially, if he, he sees out this deal, he will be the longest serving manager in Norwich's history. The only man, manager, coach to have won two league titles with this club. That's the that's the echelons this guy is gravitating towards now in terms of the pantheon of Norwich managers and coaches that have gone before him. So fantastic news. We can see the comments coming in. I think universally um, praise and delight. And hopefully this is the start of another positive chapter so yeah I think anybody who's a Norwich fan tonight is very happy I would say Absolutely um, let us know as well uh, those of you watching where does Daniel Farker rate for you in terms of Norwich City head coaches managers does he now rank towards the top of that list I'll, I'll be asking Pad the, the very same question in a moment uh, I'll just read you some of the, the reaction from Daniel um, in the obviously official release we confirmed at, at five o'clock of course he said I'm absolutely over the moon and feel pretty emotional in such a moment I'm unbelievably grateful for all of the trust and support it's a pleasure to be allowed to continue to work on this level with such a special club and our unbelievable owners Delia and Michael I must also thank Stuart Webber for his trust and backing my staff and players as well as the supporters we have a pretty special relationship in this club now it's about going at the next step doing everything we can to make this club an established Premier League side we're in a better position both as a club and as a group and we want to continue to build 
something special and unique. He's, uh, of course, second uh, crack at the Premier League, isn't it? Didn't didn't pan out too uh, too great two seasons ago, but of course, a lot of mitigating circumstances that we've um, we've been through a lot. So we we won't do that. But Pat, I'll throw that question over to you in terms of Norwich City managers. Where where does he rank now for you? I, I guess there's still an element of that to be decided within the next four years, and and that that sort of chapter is yet to be written in terms of maybe his standing beyond the absolute elite. But he does seem to be climbing that ladder now, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I mean, a hundred. He's had 195 games in charge. Just just the body of work, you know. As I said, to repeat myself, the only man manager coach to have landed two league titles with with this club. Um, and ultimately, I think the key for me in terms of where you'd rank him, I, I think if we if we can see him deliver on the pledge that he's you know he's tried to promise in those initial signing quotes that he wants to establish Norwich in the Premier League. If he's done that by the end of this four year cycle, uh, I mean it's a moot point because obviously Norwich fans and I'm not a Norwich fan, but Norwich fans will, will debate. You know, Ken Brown landed a, a, a the first major, well a major trophy. Um, you know. Paul Lambert in his own way. Uh, we don't probably hold him in the highest regard at the minute, but I think in, in given where he ended up recently, but in decades to come, I think that'll be a notable achievement. Um, and obviously the guys who got him into the Premier League, the Nigel Worthingtons of this world. But I think for me, Farker is on the path to being, if he keeps him in the Premier League and establishes him in the Premier League, I personally, just with my professional head on, that, that to me would, would rank him peerless I don't think there would be another manager but you know it's about eras it's about it's it's akin to who's your favorite player who's the best player to put on a Norwich it is very subjective there isn't any overriding criteria that we can apply universally to the Ron Saunders to the Ken Browns to the Mike Walkers and what he did mm-hmm. but, but ultimately given what he's already done and, and let's be honest as well it's not just about you know the win ratios or the amount of games you know, look what he's done in terms of the transformational work with developing young players. You know, I've um, done a piece that's going up in about an hour. Tens and tens of millions of pounds that he has brought in through his coaching that has improved James Madison, Jamal Lewis, uh, Ben Godfrey, and obviously latterly Emmy Buendia. And we can throw Max Aarons and Todd Cantwell in there as well if they were to depart. You know, it isn't just what he's done on the pitch. It's how he's improved players and his coaching ability. And uh, as I say, for me... Four years on from now, he's still here. They're still in the Premier League. The best ever, I think. Interesting stuff. We've got a, a few thoughts as well. Chris on YouTube has said, number one for me, I live through Walker, but Farker for me is number one due to the development of players and style of play. Um, Adam Potter <clears throat> has said, fantastic news, especially pleased to hear him say he wants to become established in the Premier League. I wonder if Weber will upgrade ambitions from top 26. Uh, Keith Shaw, best news ever. Now to do the next part, which we'll come on to in a moment. Uh, I'm deliberately skipping around a few of these comments uh, because we all come back to them. Um, ben on YouTube has said uh, near the top just because of his great style of football and the fact that he's brought through many academy players. If he gets us to stay in the Premier League, then he will be the best in my lifetime. Uh, Jordan Cook on YouTube. What a lovely day. I think he's most definitely in the list for our greatest manager, if not for the football, for the work that's gone into the club's culture. Uh, we've got a load of reaction coming in as well. Uh, ben on Facebook, he needs to keep us up to be a true great uh, but I love him and I can't think of anyone else I'd rather have here right now. He's a special guy in this day and age to stick around this long. Uh, Stephen on Facebook, always love watching a Daniel Farker team and Simon who's just put uh, woo incredible which I think uh, seems to sum it up quite nicely uh, and uh, yeah, I, I guess that is 
obviously the the next if we broaden it out the next thing and, and we've already had loads of comments on it i mean sam hardy's asked it uh craig brooks has has asked it. we've had several others as well and, and we'll come back on to daniel in a minute but this does feel for nori trans I, I guess and you mentioned their stability that's that's one piece isn't it the next piece is surely Stuart weber and his future and how that situation kind of sorts itself out well, I mean, you know, it's quite telling that what, what's the first image they put out? Um, Daniel in a sharp suit, but in a picture with Stuart Webber shaking his hand. And that is really that symbolism, I think, um, underlines, there we go. It underlines they are a partnership. They do come as a as a duo, as a as a team. And, uh, you know, ultimately, up until this point, their contracts have mirrored mirrored the, the sort of work they've done on, in, albeit in different, slightly different areas of the football business. But... You know, ultimately, Norwich are where they are now and what they've done over the last four years is those two. They, they are the kryptonite, really, of, of powering this uh, unbelievable turnaround from what Weber inherited in 2017. It is remarkable, really, that we're now looking at a club who, you know, even with a, an, a period that we've all never had to live through and hopefully never do again before, but the, the financial purely impact of the pandemic and, you know, £30 million toll, all, all of these challenges that have been thrown at them, um, and yet they've 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 basically managed to put Norwich on a path to seemingly Premier League sustainability if they can pull off this next phase. And of course, Farker is one, yeah, part of that jigsaw, and Weber would be the other. I think we might find out a little bit more tomorrow. I don't think I'm breaching any confidences that there, there is a there's going to be a press conference with those two guys at Carrow Road, um, and we can be pretty sure that Stuart Weber will be asked about his own contractual status. Now, where we left off. At the start of summer, was Stuart saying, "Look, he's not going to leave Norwich in the lurch. He feels still that debt very deeply toward Delia and Michael for the faith they showed in him originally." Um, and he talked also about, you know, how the maybe the pandemic and Brexit and those factors have altered his maybe initial desire, which he's always been quite open and honest about, to go and actually work abroad. And maybe the time isn't right, like in the next twelve months, next eighteen months, until those things, you know, are bedded in, and we see what the world looks like in two, three years on. So. You know, it sounded quite positive at the start of summer, albeit you didn't get the sense that, as Daniel has pledged now, he was going to lock himself into another three, four-year contract. But, you know, we'll get a bit more insight tomorrow, I'm sure. But I, my reading of it is that Daniel doesn't sign on for four years unless he's got some assurances in terms of where Stuart is. Now, I'm not saying that in terms of Stuart saying, I'm going to sign on for four years, but maybe in the in the shorter term, beyond 22, that he's still going to be hanging around. Because if not, I'm not sure Daniel signs for four years because they are a partnership and they have worked so brilliantly together. You know, Stuart often says that they are different people and they, they do their different things outside of the football club. But as a, as a chemistry, you know, you can only look at the what they've produced together on on off the pitch in all areas of the business. The transformation at Colney in terms of the bricks and mortar, the development of young players that we talked about, and those comments as well are right. The style of football as well, not just winning football, not just title winning football in the championship at least, but the panache and the style that they've actually put on the pitch as well. Um, so I think it's I think this development today, this confirmation today in terms of Stuart Webber, is pretty positive. How positive we might get a bit more of a, an insight tomorrow when we, we go and speak to those guys at Cairo. Yes, yeah, it's very much watch this space, isn't it? And and of course we'll never know how sort of interlinked. Well, maybe we'll find out tomorrow how interlinked their their sort of respective futures are. But it does feel like if you if you've been brought in by somebody 
and you're going to sign a contract to stay. And currently, uh, in current contracts, Farker will out, outstay Webber, won't he, at, at Norwich City in terms of their respective sort of expiry dates on their contracts now. It would feel like from Webber's part, there would need to be some sort of assurance, some sort of glimmer maybe that he's sticking around for, for Daniel Farker to commit because... And, and again, I'll repeat the word he used in, in the club releases, stability. It's, it's that element, isn't it? It's all very well and good. You've got essentially two senior people on the football side, all very well and good that one commits their future. But then you kind of need both to do that, don't you, in order to get that stability that Stuart Webber's talking about? Well, well, you do. Or, you know, possibly that, that there's a successor in place in terms of, you know, from inside the club. And then Daniel can away from maybe the public glare, start to build or is already building that type of relationship. Um, you know, don't need to put the names in the frame. We all know who, who they are, who potentially they could be. So I, I think ultimately they, the way they've worked together, I think it leans for me more towards Stuart is staying beyond 22 because he said as much at the start of the summer, for those reasons I've already stated, that he'd be receptive and open to it. And I think the, the actual phrase was, I won't leave this club in the lurch. Um so if that is the case and that there isn't a successor lined up, then I think we can safely assume he will be here beyond 22. But how far beyond and in what type of structure contractually that looks like, uh, we wait to find out. But as I say, it, you can guarantee he will be asked about his own future tomorrow, given he's appearing with Daniel at Car Road. So, you know, maybe by this time tomorrow, we'll have a bit more of a firm answer to these questions. Yeah, and, and we'll be asking them, won't we? So, so we right. know they'll, they'll definitely be asked uh, about it. So, uh, yeah, Norwich fans don't need to worry too much about that. A few more answers in terms of where Daniel ranks more generally in terms of Norwich City managers. Um, Jamie Lauder on YouTube has said, second greatest manager, in my opinion. Uh, Walker tops it, but I love Daniel Farker. Uh, Mark on Facebook has said, I've supported Norwich City for 35 years and under Daniel Farker, we've played some of the best football Ever, um, Uncle Mort on YouTube as well. Not my uncle, uh, I hasten to add. So it's not just that he's brought youngsters through, it's that the youngsters are coming here because of him. And, and yeah, we're seeing that now, aren't we? Norwich are a very attractive place for young players. You just have to look in, in some of their recruitment and some of the talents they've been able to attract to Carrow Road. Um, this, <laughs> this one's made me laugh from Jamie as well, Pad, who, 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 said, who reckons that you sound a bit like Sean I Dyche. That. I read that, yeah. I, I'm not seeing that at all. Unless he's from, is he from the Midlands, Sean Dyche? Maybe he is. I, yeah. I would, I'd have to look it up. I have to. I'll look it up when you're when you're giving the next answer. Actually, as, to as long as nobody says Northern Twang. Yeah, I did as well. As long as nobody says I look like him, then we'll be all right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, move on. That's true. Uh, Nick has said Daniel Farker expresses his gratitude for being allowed to coach the club uh, every chance he gets, and that gratitude is absolutely reciprocated by the fans. His contract extension is. Brilliant news. Uh, Chris says they've got to be one of the best duos since Morecambe and Wise. I'm guessing he's talking about Stuart Webber and, and Daniel Farker as opposed to us, Pad. But um, Definitely, mate. Definitely. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take it. Uh, Jonathan Parker on Facebook hits a, hits a long and nice point, and I'll ask you about this. Um, he said how nice to finally have a long-term manager. And there is that element, isn't there? Norwich City breaking the mould a little bit in terms of... Yeah. Uh, and we've seen this, I, I guess, throughout Delia and Michael's reign at the club. Managers do get time. Head coaches do get time to put plans in place, to put their ideas across, to get success, um, which is probably quite a, a rare commodity now, particularly in English football, but increasingly in world football as well. I, I think as things stand, he's, he's the third, maybe the fourth longest serving manager in the Premier League behind Klopp, Deitch, and I believe there's another um, who may have escaped my my mind at the minute, which I'll, I'll come back to. But it is a rare point, isn't it, for a manager to be given such a vote of confidence. A four-year contract for a, a manager is pretty rare in, in sort of these times. 
Yeah, I mean, my mind immediately springs to what, what did Pardew get at Newcastle that time? I mean, he didn't see Six, it out. wasn't it? No, yeah. it was eight, I think, maybe. Exactly, yeah. Now that was ridiculous. But um, but four, four years is, yeah, pretty unheard of. I, I really can't think of too many managers, um, yeah, in the last sort of seasons past who, who, who were getting based, based – Based on the fact he's already done for, you know, it's this not he's twelve months into his first term. You know, this is a guy who's got four years' work already under his belt at that club, and you know, with a fair wind, he'll, he'll have another four as well. And that, that, as I say, I mean, you only have to look, and it's not just the modern aspect of, or the comparative. As as we said at the start, if he serves those eight years, he will be long, long Norwich's longest ever serving manager. I think Ken Brown did seven. Um, I think John Bond did a good thick end of seven. I think Worthy did about six. So, you know, historically, as well as modern day, this is pretty unheard of. But you're right, Connor, it does cut to the heart of, you know, what Stuart said really from day one when he when he moved in that, you know, they're not buffeted and not everything is defined by this quest for three points on a Saturday. Of course, you know, you need to win games of football to achieve what you want to on the pitch for everything else to flow from that. But, it isn't kind of, you know, you, you lose five games or whatever and then you're out the door. But, I mean, we only have to go back to the project restart period. Okay, you could talk about, well, Daniel wasn't really, and Stuart himself was the first to admit subsequently that in terms of recruitment, they didn't support him enough. But, you know, how many how many consecutive defeats were there during that period? And, th- and there were question marks outwardly going into that summer prior to last season, but certainly not internally. I remember the quote that Stuart said, as long as I'm here, Daniel Farker will be the head coach here, and you know you could you could take that as a very cheap throwaway line, but actions like giving this guy another four years would indicate that they actually believe that, that firmly believe that putting down roots, particularly in key positions within a football club, and is there a is there a bigger, more influential position than the manager, the first team manager? Certainly not in a, in a in a sort of sporting director model. Um, that it it really underlines, I think. And, you know, OK, it might be tough for him again this season in the Premier League and then there's no guarantees. I think we all know it's going to be tough to stay up again. Um, but still, overall, there can't be any denying that this club is in a far healthier state in every aspect that we've already discussed this afternoon for, I think, having a bit more of a longer, mid to longer term view about how they plan, how they try and execute those plans um, rather than, you know, we lost on a Saturday, the world's about to cave in. You know, D- Daniel's always very keen to sort of take a more holistic view about it. And it's very difficult when you're in the midst of losing games of football. But I think ultimately Norwich should be commended for embarking on this path in 2017 and now being so far down it that, you know, a four-year deal, certainly inside the Norwich bubble, that that doesn't seem out of the ordinary. Whereas I'm sure outside now, if we were to canvas opinion across the wider football world right now as this, this news is breaking, I think there'll be plenty of eyebrows inside and outside football that, you know, giving a manager a four-year contract in this day and age because it is unheard of, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it, it does feel like, even though maybe Norwich's position in the Premier League next season, irrespective of, of how that might go, he still feels like he's got one of the most secure jobs, doesn't he? And, and I guess for someone in that position as well, to have that opportunity, and we, a lot of the comments mentioned young players, you can only do that if you're given yeah. trust and you're told in, t- in the short term results, as, as certainly Daniel was told at the start, results aren't the be all and end all. It's about performances and growth and, and um, green shoots, I suppose, as well. And that's really important, isn't it, for, for a head coach? And 
again, we mentioned it's kind of rare in football now, which has become all about short-term success and winning and um, maybe less so about sustainability and stability. Daniel Farker, I guess, from his perspective, he's got the perfect opportunity now to really shape a club to his values. And we talk about the culture and the playing style. That's embedded all the way from the first team down to the, the youngest years in the academies now. They all want to play Daniel Farker's style of, of football to develop those young players. For him, that must be a really nice position to be in compared to perhaps some of his colleagues around the country who do have to stay in the Premier League, for example, to keep their jobs. Well, I mean, it's quite clear. He openly admitted after the first uh, championship title win, so the, the summer of, of 2019, he had offers to leave the club. And he also went on to say further that offers where he would have had far bigger budgets in terms of transfer windows. I'm sure the financial inducements for him personally would have been far better than he could have commanded at Norwich. Yet he stayed, and uh, and and then he stayed again when when they went down. And I'm sure there was still, I'm sure his stock was still of a high enough level given the restrictions he was working under in that Premier League season that he would have got another job. And I haven't spoken to him about this this summer so far. We've only really had the touch point at Kings Lynn, but I'm pretty sure off the back of repeating what he did in the Championship. There will have been interest. I mean, he was getting linked to one or two positions back in Germany, wasn't he, at the early part of the summer? Um, and I think if, if we were to ask him, he'd probably say, well, you know, there were opportunities he could have explored. But the fact that he wants to stay here and wants to pledge another four years of his life, bearing in mind he's, you know, he's a guy with a, a very young family back in Germany, it is a huge commitment for him to basically base himself, not just in England, but in this part of the world for that length of time. Um he clearly feels he's in an environment, a footballing coaching environment, where he can find everything he needs in terms of you know the backing. He talks again about the trust in this latest press release from Delia Michael downwards. You know the love that he feels towards those fans. He he said some lovely stuff around the when they clinched the title, obviously against Reading that day. Um, no fans sadly allowed in Cairo, but he he was the one who led the celebrations with that pocket of fans who gathered along that strip of you know land that's behind the city stand and. And he talked about he couldn't wait or he longed for the day when fans were allowed back in and, and that that was the one big thing that was really missing from the championship title second time around. You know, he really has bought into what it is to be part of the Norwich family. You know, he has that affinity. My heart is green and yellow. My my life, my, my second home is Norwich. You know, he said all these things in the past and he means it because there's no doubt about it. He has had opportunities to leave and to probably go in the short term at least to to easier coaching situations, you know, not paying for the sins of the past, as he spoke about in the transfer window going into the Premier League era. Even now, you know, having to accept your best player, arguably Evie Buendia being sold to Aston Villa for, for many millions, but ultimately, with a purely coaching perspective, his chances of getting Norwich to stay in the Premier League are enhanced, you would think, by having Evie Buendia still on the payroll. But no, he talked about it after the Kings Lynn game. He understood separate that the player himself maybe wanted to move on, but he understood from the club's point of view rather than maybe from his own coaching point of view, first and foremost. And now that's pretty rare that, you know, you do have a guy who, yes, he wants to be a success as a coach on an individual level, but he understands what Norwich are trying to do and, and, and the environment he's in. And um, as I say, you know, these, these are pretty special times, I think, because, you know, you don't get too many men as as well as coaches who come along like Daniel Farker and Norwich are fortunate to have him. But by the same token, he's obviously feels he's fortunate and blessed and proud and privileged to be in charge of this football club. So, you know, it's a great marriage at the minute. 
it says a lot of him, doesn't it, as a human being and, and maybe his kind of ability to zoom out a little bit and, and maybe not look short term as many managers do, that he didn't jump ship when an opportunity arose. I think that has been the frustration in some cases. I guess we could reference Paul Lambert. Um, even you could you could probably reference Mike Walker going back a little bit further in terms of those managers that have not used Norwich as a stepping stone because that's probably not fair to say, but certainly have left um, relatively early on after success because an opportunity has, has arisen. That obviously wasn't the case with Daniel Stuck with Norwich through, through relegation. Um, let's let's get a few more of uh, of your comments on this news. Um, Churchy on YouTube says, as fans, we need to stand by the club and support Daniel throughout the season ahead. Uh, Lars says, great news, uh, a nice happy face. Uh, Chris Dayton uh, has uh, gone back and, and, and said, we're the third greatest year. So I think we can take that pad, can't we? I mean, I mean that's not a bad top three. So bronze medal. Bronze medal in the Olympic cycle would take that, Connor. Yeah, yeah, it's better to have a bronze medal than none at all, isn't it? So that's um, that's that's always refreshing. Um, oh, this is a good question from Nick. Actually, um, I'll let you answer this first, Pad, and then I'll come in. Massive, massive fan of Farker. Would like to know what you think his strongest attribute is, um, Pad. I'll throw that across to you first, and then I'll I'll weigh in afterwards. Worst. Well, I mean, it's difficult to pick out just one, isn't it? But um, but what sticks in my mind is a quote Ben Gibson said. Um, after after the promotion was secured this time round, uh, and it was almost like he's never worked. I think it was something along the lines of he's never worked with a coach who sees the things he sees like in game or on a training field. You know his eye for detail uh, and just just the intelligence of the guy that that there's a player. You know all his life has been well academy and then professional football. Been around some decent coaches, Ben Gibson, but. You know, almost putting Farker on a pedestal as some sort of coaching visionary, and and you only have to take a step back and look at what he's done with those younger players. Yes, they have raw talent. Your Max Aaronses, your Jamal's, your Ben Gib, what Ben Godfrey, sorry, um, but he's moulded that talent and he's extracted the, the maximum from it. Ben Godfrey, I see him as a as a not an average defensive midfielder. I see him as a world class centre back. He almost got laughed for that comment. Look at him now. He was almost in England's Euro squad and, and has come off the back of a brilliant season for Everton as a centre-back. That was Daniel Farker who saw that and converted him and then worked on him and developed the raw natural ability that he felt he had in that position. So I think if I was to pin one down, as tough as that would be, it probably is just, you know, he seems to be, a, you don't want to bracket him with, you know, lads like Guardiola and Klopp and what have you, because they're, they're, they're seen as, you know, almost as Jose said that time, not out of the bottle, but a bit special. But, you know, if Ben Gibson is anecdotally talking in those terms, then, you know, he has a far better reference point than we do because he's working with him day in and day out. This guy, coaching-wise, is a little bit special. And as I say, look at his CV. He's took a team who were heading the wrong way. He's brought them to the Premier League once on the back of a title, went down, he's brought them there again. So, you know, it is a phenomenal body of work he's building at Norwich. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. It definitely is. You, you mentioned Guardiola and Klopp. Two, two people that have a lot of respect for Daniel Farker as well, which speaks yeah, volumes, so. doesn't it? Um, I'll, I'll weigh in. I'll add, I think he's, he's kind of level-headedness, that never-too-high-never-too-low attitude. I think even kind of in in the midst of that relegation season, but equally in the two promotion winning seasons, he, he's kind of stayed consistent, hasn't he? He hasn't been 
particularly emotional about things um, in, in the, well, certainly in the moment, if, if there's something to react to, he, he always seems to be quite level-headed, seems to say the right thing at the right time, which is a player, and, we, and again, we'll use that word as stability. And, and as someone, if you're a player looking for leadership in, in the time where the Premier League season wasn't going particularly well, I think that's probably a major positive. And then equally, if you do allow yourself to get carried away a little bit after a string of good wins, he's there just to pull you back a little bit. And um, that's a really important element for, for, for a leader and, and a manager, I suppose. And um, that's what I would say is is maybe not his strongest attribute because I think I think Pad is, is probably right in terms of a coaching element, but um, certainly in terms of a leadership element, I, I'll offer that perspective. Um, let's see what else we've got in terms of comments. Uh, Craig says... Uh, Deitch is from Kettering. That's not too far from Coventry, is it? From my no, geography. No, that's not too far at all, yeah. No, but there you go. Is, is, is he saying, I mean, Deitch always strikes me as a man who's smoked too many cigarettes, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, he, do, he doesn't have the Paul Cook voice change, though, does he? Which I, I guess is a positive. I don't know if you've ever watched any interviews with him, but... Um, yeah, they're quite interesting viewing. Um, Diane, anyway, back to Daniel Farker, has uh, just put great news. Uh, we'll come to the Todd Campbell stuff in just a moment, uh, so I'll skip those comments. Um, we've had this comment as well from Young Riles. I'll say apologies if I've, um, if I've said that wrong. Uh, he has said that uh, the, the fact that Farker commands such respect from Pep Guardiola and, uh, and Jurgen Klopp speaks volumes. And we've spoken about style of play, the fact that Pep Guardiola said that he likes to watch Norwich City and his spare time that's a big thing isn't it for a coach who well has the accolades that he has certainly is is one of the best in in footballing history that's that's probably the biggest sort of lump of praise we can give to Daniel Farker really and what he's built at Norwich City compared to the situation that he inherited where um well in the first season Norwich finished below Ipswich Town didn't they so that that goes to give an indication of perhaps what he's built over the last four years or so yeah respect from your peers I mean that that really you know that the value you Farker would value the opinions of those guys far more than you know the likes of us in the media or probably even fans. To be fair, because you know they're in there, they're at the coalface. Those two are at the elite end of the game, and they recognise a very astute, very innovative coach. You know, quite rightly named the manager of the year by his uh, championship rivals, and, um, and and you can tell by the you know the, the the quotes that he gave when he received that he was genuinely touched that. You know, his work was recognised for, for what it was, you know, the best in the division. So, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. He he is one of the best coaching brains, uh, certainly in the English game. I think that's safe to say. How, how high can Daniel Farker go for you? Where can he reach in terms of coaching? If we're going to talk about this contract being, what, eight years of, of body of work, how where can he go? I don't want to look too far ahead because it, football <laughs> it changes enough in a week, let alone in, in four years. But let's say he does see out that contract and uh, and, and he does become Norwich's long, longest, serving, <clears throat> longest serving manager. Where does he go to next? How high up that sort of ladder can he climb in terms of football generally? When we're talking about kind of people like, like Guardiola, is he someone that can manage a club at Champions League level? As, of course, Stuart Webber mentioned yeah. when, he, when he was first appointed, is, is that probably the next step for him beyond Norwich if we're to look very far ahead? Well, I mean, you, you literally just took the words out. That that was, and that is what Stuart Webber and probably will say it again tomorrow to us. Um, he thinks Daniel is a Champions League grade coach and will, not even a debate, will coach in the Champions League. So, you know, if it's this country, you're, you're talking a very select group of clubs who, who would, would be considered Champions League Material, you know, top five, top six, top seven at a push, um, and probably in Germany again, top four or top five clubs. You know, I, I think ultimately, 
I don't know. We can't speak for the man himself. He might he might give us an idea uh, as to what next uh, if we ask him that tomorrow. But you could see it. I could see a scenario where if he's done what he feels he wanted to do in those four years at Norwich, and hopefully that is sustainability in the Premier League, then I think he gets a top job in Germany and goes back there. And you know, as, as I said earlier, for for a guy who's come here with left his young family behind in, in Germany for this amount, I mean, you're getting on. That'll be getting on for a decade. I mean, that's a huge chunk of his life and as much as he loves it here in these surroundings you know you know the pull of home I think would would be very strong by that stage and ultimately if at the end of that there was a there was a Champions League opportunity with a club in the Bundesliga you know and I would hope from a Norwich perspective I'd hope he'd go that route because I don't think any of us would like to see him in charge of another English team I don't I don't think uh, that would be quite an unpalatable prospect really so if he was going to go then let him go back to Germany and uh, you know prove what Weber thinks he is, which is a Champions League coach. Still incredibly young for a coach, isn't he? Only forty-four. He's 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 not going to be fifty by the time he leaves Norwich City. So, still a, a huge portion of his managerial career to to play out. I wonder if that's come into his thinking and. and maybe slow down the urgency of that next step, that next move, because uh, we, we mention it with players, don't we? They develop to a certain stage and then it's about making that next step at the right time. And I think we've seen probably Ben Godfrey do that. James Madison certainly do that. I wonder if, if, if Daniel Fark is thinking the same in terms of that, when that next step does arrive and you've mentioned German clubs, I guess the natural one is Dortmund, isn't it? That people will, will throw yeah. out. We, we know he's a Bayern Munich fan, which um, I, I'm sure he, he'd like to, to do that job again. Maybe he'd need to go and do another one in Germany before he got there. But um, all of these kind of interesting things. I just wonder if, if, if after eight years and that body of work, and, and like you say, we'll probably find out more tomorrow in terms of where his, his thinking is at, whether that next step becomes a bit more natural. This is an interesting question from, from Freddie uh, on YouTube, who said, do you think the length of contract is similar to the Max Aarons style long-term deals? We don't expect him to stay for four years, but it will help the club out if he does move on. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I mean, obviously, you know, it's understandable. The, the contractual length is four years, so we're extrapolating that he's here for the four years. But, you know, as much as Norwich like to put down mid to longer term planning in place, to quote that hypothetical example there, you know, Dortmund come for him in 18 months, two years. That would be very tough to turn down for him, I'm sure, um, or another German Champions League grade club. Um and I don't think, let's be honest, if he was to go mid that four-year cycle to a club of that stature offering those opportunities, I don't think there'd be any sort of fallout. I don't think any Norwich fan would begrudge him that type of move because they would feel, I'm sure, that you know what he's achieved, um, he'd much like with Madison, much like with maybe uh, Ben Godfrey and maybe Buendia to a lesser extent, depending on where you think Villa's horizons lie. You know, an opportunity to go on to the next level, and um, you know, I, I think it maybe it is being a little bit romantic to sort of talk in terms of his year for four more years, and that'll take him past Ken Brown and longest-serving Norwich manager ever. I guess we just have to work season to season for this period. But the, the, the Aaron's one is is a very fair point. It does insulate Norwich if that scenario, for example, played out and a Dortmund came for him in eighteen months, two years. You know, he is under contract, and, and clearly they would. They would have to, you know, recognise that fact, and 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 Norwich would get a sizable sum, I'm sure. But I don't think, different to a player leaving, it doesn't really compensate you because the manager, coach, is such an integral position and so all pervasive and all overarching over everything that the club are trying to do. 
I think just getting a monetary compensation value isn't really going to uh, you know, soften the blow of losing a, a man who has left such a mark on this football club. So, yes, I can see the financial element of putting him on a four-year deal in terms of insulating Norwich to a degree, but um, but also I can you know I can see scenarios down the track if he keeps Norwich up this season, doing well the following season, that there will be opportunities and they may be at a level where he feels he wants to take them. So, you know, probably unlikely we see he sees out the four years but we, we live in hope don't we absolutely well what is it he, he, he always uh, said at the back end of the last season i don't break contracts is is what he said isn't it so yeah. um i guess we'll be we'll be putting that quote to the test it's, it's interesting this and and to bring this kind of back to the weather debate and then we'll we'll kind of take some questions on uh, other matters which i can see a flooding in particularly around one subject in particular um it, it's interesting because i remember ed balls talking about when norwich decided to go down this route and split that kind of conventional manager role into sporting director and head coach and the idea was that sporting director brings you the stability and and that's the one that you kind of plan around and then the head coach not becomes more dispensable but if there is a situation where you have to remove it it's then it doesn't completely kind of shift in a different direction the, the club in terms of style and culture and whatnot and of course when a when a coach leaves and you kind of mapped it out there they take the backroom staff with them players inevitably change there could be a, a change in the style of play we're kind of seeing that the reverse of that now, aren't we? We're seeing the head coach commit and that's the stability. And yeah. now kind of the conversation will be around the sporting director and what he decides to do next. It's kind of a flip on yeah. maybe what, yeah. what Norwich City's board were expecting a few years ago. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm sure they didn't envisage that this would be the case. But um, again, it flows back to where Stuart's head, head is at beyond you know the end of his current contract, 2022. Um, and and I, I'm increasingly, I mean, when he, when he was at, openly talking in terms of very relaxed about it. It's not an issue inside the club. Um, could quite happily see myself staying beyond. I don't think you come out and say things like that in the public domain, given you know how they will be interpreted. If if you're not pretty sure in your own mind and, and have communicated that to maybe Delia and Michael that you are willing to extend. I just think that the aspect of it that is a bit uncertain is in what manner is it? You know, like Paul Lambert, I think towards the end, he had like rolling contracts, yeah. didn't he? Where um, it wasn't a, as Daniels and his backroom team have signed in the last few days, a fixed four-year period. So, you know, whether the, the contractual element looks a little bit different, maybe. But again, I'll, I'll repeat what I said. I think Dan, Daniel has had the assurances he would have wanted from Stuart that he's in it beyond this final 12 months of his contracted current deal. So, um, but you're right. You're right. In terms of the stability, you look at those two positions, and it really should be the anchor should be the sporting director role because he is the person who's setting the culture, developing the philosophy, has oversight and final say in all the key football areas of the business and the financial aspects of that as well. Um, that's really you. You're right. That's really where you'd, you'd like to feel there was that security that we now have maybe on the head coach side with Daniel extending his deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to, to wrap this up then, uh, hey, Miss Jolly, someone was the last time Daniel Farker was in a suit. Uh, he looks the bee's knees in the promotion photo with Weber. Here's to another four years. I don't think he even wore a, 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 certainly a shirt and tie when he became head coach. Did he? I think it was just a, a shirt, if memory serves, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, we know Stuart Weber doesn't like um, doesn't like wearing ties. Anyway, let's um, let's go to the, the transfer stuff because we've had a, a few questions, mainly revolving 
a certain Todd Campwell. Um, Oliver Middleton has just put thoughts on the Campwell rumours. This uh, has emerged this afternoon, hasn't it? Football Insider reporting that Aston Villa are in, I'll use inverted commas, advanced talks uh, to sign Todd Campwell. Um, Pads, uh, our understanding of that, certainly nothing imminent. Um, well, Todd posted the picture on his social media accounts, didn't he, today of, of the, the pictures at Colney, which would suggest nothing is imminent. There's, there's no A's in Birmingham doing a medical or anything like that. Um, talk to us a little bit about these reports and sort of your understanding of them. You're right, Connor. Yeah, advanced negotiations. If it, if they are, then they're not uh, not being participated in by uh, Stuart Weber or Norwich. So I don't know where that one's come from. I mean, that report. There's a few inaccuracies in there as well. If you read through it, the contractual situation. They're saying he's in the final year of his contract. Technically, there's an option which you can be sure the club would exercise. So it's 2023. That lessens the urgency for it to be done. Oh, clearly, if he was, you know, a bit like we just spent the last. 40 minutes discussing. If, if you got to the last 12 months of Todd Cantwell's deal, you'd be, you'd be definitely wanting to get it resolved in this window. So um, that's inaccurate. You know, the talk of Leeds having £15 million bids. There was no bids for Tom Cantwell last summer. And I'm talking bids in terms of Aston Villa picking up the phone. Stuart, yep, we'd like to take Emmy Buendia. This is what we're going to pay. Is this sufficient? Nothing of that nature. So as we stand, Todd Cantwell is firmly part of Norwich's plans for the Premier League season. And, uh, you know, that that's where we are. So, now, if you're asking me, given that the lines of communication between Villa and Norwich would have been open over Buendia this summer and Stuart Weber and his oppo would have had plenty of conversations around that, will there have been a conversation about, about Todd Cantwell? Quite possibly. Um, you know, it, it's not the first time he's been linked to Aston Villa this window. Uh, they're clearly, you know, they're getting heavily linked with Smith Road. I think they've had two or three bids rejected for him from Arsenal, haven't they? So, you know, it looks like that attacking midfield, creative midfield type is a player that they're trying to bring in on top of bringing in Emmy. Um, and if that was the case, and, you, and particularly, again, Smith Rowe's profile, young English talent, Todd Cantwell would be on that watch list, wouldn't he? It's, it's inevitable um, because he fits the profile. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's a player Villa would, would be looking at but certainly right here, right now, uh, advanced talks, no, that, that's wider the mark. So um, we can only repeat what Stuart said when asked uh, about Todd's situation. He said, ultimately, the, the urgency isn't there because of that year's option this window. But clearly that is something that needs to be resolved. He either gets a new deal and he stays at Norwich or, you know, a solution is found whereby he departs. All I would say is, you know, there's a lot of people around these type of stories, you know, agents and, and so on and so forth. Um, and a lot of this is fueled by agent talk. So um, I, I would take that for what it is. Certainly Todd Cantwell is not, or Norwich for that matter, more pertinently, I'm not in advanced negotiations with Villa over the sale of Todd Cantwell. Right here, right now, that is the position. So anything else you hear to that uh, point is is wider the mark. There you go. Um, I'm not sure I've, I've got much more to add to that, really. I think they, they, Villa have been linked with, with Leon Bailey as well today from, from Leverkusen, yeah. who um, is an attacking midfielder. You, you mentioned Smith Rowe there. It seems like they've moved on from him. Um, they, of course, still have Jack Grealish in the building as well. So right. um, that's not not a bad team they're, 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 um, they're building there. But yeah, cer- certainly not imminent as, um, as some things are suggesting. I think um, Football Insider also said that Norwich were... Um, preparing an up bid for for Christopher Iyer, which of course we know it wasn't wasn't the case. So um, there you go. Yeah, you have to take these things with a pinch of salt. But that's why we all love the transfer window. 
um, isn't it? Uh, a few more on Daniel Farker. Nick has said, I feel Daniel has been able to create a team greater than the sum of its individual uh, individual parts in complete contrast, for example, to an Arsenal. Huge praise for maintaining that feat for four years. Now, uh, Adam has just said uh, there's only one uh, DF. He's clearly forgotten about Dave Freezer, our colleague, but um, that's that's fine. I won't tell him. It's it's all good. Fred has, um, has just said... Any more transfer news? And it's it's all been uh, pretty quiet this week, hasn't it? We, we of course had Daniel's position after yeah. the Kings Ling game in terms of the areas of the squad that he'd like to strengthen, but certainly in terms of incomings, it's it's been a quiet week this week. Yeah, no, this week was always I think envisaged to be well. Of course, the the Premier League the Premier League preseason games cranking up. You know, t- two more games this week. Kings Lynn on the Friday. There was a Grant Hanley contract renewal on the Monday. They knew Daniel's was obviously. He marked for this one, and then we had the pair, Louise Lise Malou. Sorry, uh, well, firstly uh, coming through quarantine, and then uh, quite an eventful debut yesterday. So, um, no, I, I, I don't. I, I think this week was probably uh, more of an internal sort of inward looking rather than. The, but clearly, there's work going on in the background. Um, but nothing that we're led to believe. Gibbs, the, the lad from Ipswich, that looks pretty close to getting done now. I think there's colleagues in Suffolk are saying that the, the fee has been agreed. Uh, He's, he's definitely coming. That that part of the equation has been long since settled. But just in terms of until they agree compensation wise with Ipswich, then they couldn't confirm that. So that might happen back end of the week. But no, in terms of senior front line options, um, I think they've had a, a few too many other plates they needed to spin this week. So possibly that will pick up now once we get through Huddersfield on Friday and then into you know a bit closer to uh, the Premier League kickoff. But there's no doubt about it. Uh, that you haven't seen the last of the signings. No, absolutely not. As uh, as, as Daniel said on Friday as well, and uh, I think their minds have probably been on contracts and whatnot. We've seen what Sorensen, Hanley, Sorensen, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Farker oh, is, yeah. as well now, Bali Mumba. So, so that seems to be where the focus has been in the last week or so. Again, that could shift very, very, very quickly as the transfer window happens. Um, this is an interesting question from Carl, which I think we might we might end on. Um, which says, how far do you think Daniel Farker could take City if theoretically he did stay until 2025? Um, Paddy, I'm, I'm un- well, Carl's kind of asking us to get the crystal ball out a little bit and, and look into the future. What do you reckon in terms of that? Do you think he's made little secret of his desire to establish Norwich City as a Premier League club? Could he look beyond that? Could Norwich fans look beyond that in, in the next four years, do you feel? You know, I've just done a vision. I can see these clips getting reproduced on social media when you know when he's when he's sacked in twelve months time for, uh, for equaling his club record losing run. I, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but uh, well, I mean, ultimately, what is Norwich's success built on? It, it's not just Farke, it's not just Weber. It's this kind of structural approach um, that runs now permeates all through the club, or at least is trying to. Um, so. If that environment stays the same, and, and obviously, again, you know, we have to keep repeating, if Stuart Webber hangs around a little bit longer than 2022, um, there's, there's certainly going to be set. I mean, you can see at this window now, you, you, it's starting to shift in terms of what they can do financially, the muscle they can flex in terms of the transfer window, the shedding of the, the baggage that they've had to carry in previous windows, uh, sins of the past, that quote again. So if that's only going to continue and in windows to come now, they can bring a higher grade of player in and a higher grade of player in. We know with this guy's coaching ability, he will be able to extract even more from higher quality resource. It stands to reason. So if that is the case, then I think in the initial period, it's 
staying in the Premier League this time around. And then, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to bookmark what what the maximum limits of their ambition could be. But, you know, is there any reason they couldn't be in the top half of the Premier League and, and, and have decent cup runs? And, and, you know, who knows, maybe occasionally threaten to get into European positions. That's probably too unrealistic, but certainly to establish themselves as a top 10 Premier League club who can go pretty deep in cup competitions and maybe even get to one or two finals then you know i think i think that would be a remark that would be a remarkable state of affairs if if he if he could engineer that but you know there's a lot of hard work to do on the initial process now which is you've got up can you stay up this time There we go. I'm muted. Uh, I was, I was going to say if, if Daniel Farker walks away in 2025 and, and Norwich have stayed in the Premier League for for four more years, then then that's a, a real success, isn't it? Forget yeah. anything else. That that will be a success in terms of established. Right. Two more questions, and then we we will call it a day. We'll start with um, Peaky NCFC on YouTube. Who said any more contracts to hear of? Uh, Pad, what, what do you reckon? Do you think there's some uh, more in the pipeline? No, I think think from what we're led to believe, that's probably it now from the existing tranche. It wasn't going to be the two seasons ago where you know the cook, the cleaner, the bottle washer, they were all, everybody was getting a new contract. But this time around, it was more going to be more targeted, more nuanced than the three players and Farker. Um, unless they've they've had a change of heart, I think that's probably it in terms of the existing personnel. Cool. And then the final one from uh, MAA Arms, which is a great name. Uh, do you know when the away kit will, will, will be announced? I guess it will be relatively soon, won't it? I'm trying to think yeah. if they play anyone in yellow in pre-season. That's usually a good indication, but I'm not sure they do. Um, I guess next couple of weeks, probably, for the away kit we're looking at. Yeah, do you know what? Again, it's kind of slipped down a pecking order in terms of um, touching base with the club uh, in this week anyway. But um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll put the question in. Next 24 hours. So, you know, next time we do one of these, we should have an answer. But, yeah, it's going to be fairly sharpish, I would have thought, because, you know, ultimately getting kit into shops is what it's all about, to hopefully sell the units they want to sell. So, you know, you need to maximise the window you've got for selling kit, haven't you? So um, uh, I'll be inter- uh, I'll keep repeating what I say whenever we get kit con- uh, conversation. No petrol blue kit, please, this time around. <laughs> absolutely not now i think we've we've had enough of petrol blue haven't we i think that will uh that will do us nicely daniel farker and his uh and his backroom staff all pen new norrie city deals until 2025 here's some reaction for the man itself well that doesn't seem to be coming up so i'll flash up the picture of him and weber uh to uh to wave us out thank you all very much for watching i hope you have the opportunity this evening to join a little uh, to enjoy a little bit of coffee and cake as i'm sure daniel will uh will be doing thank you very much for watching of course pinkin.com the place to uh to to go for all the latest norwich city news uh, more on daniel farker's contract as well and we'll of course bring you full coverage of that press conference with those two men tomorrow it's um it's bound to be a fascinating one i'm sure pad thank you very much enjoy the sun everyone we'll see you again very very soon